on this episode of Geek Out Loud, we are talking about, well, you know what? We're going to dip into the Star Wars stuff because there's been some news. I'm going to talk about what I've been jamming to. And there's this thing on Netflix called Death Note. In the words of Grover from Sesame Street, Hello, everybody! Or in the words of Sloth from Goonies, Hey, you guys! I think he got that from someone else, though. But you know what? I am not well-versed enough in pop culture or history to really say... Well, don't know. that was from The Electric Company, wasn't it? Didn't the lady used to go, Hey, you guys! Like that. Anyhow, my point is this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. My name? So glad you asked, because it would have been really weird for us to go through this whole thing and you not have a clue who I am. I'm Steve Glosson. Who are you? Great to meet you. Good to have you along with us. Uh, and and thank you for being a part of the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. Now, if you really want to show what the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe can do. We have a listener by the name of Mark All. He goes on the Goliverse chat uh, at mixer.com slash Goliverse by Mark Hamall. And Mark's son is um, doing a, a, a project for his history class, and he and his partner are supposed to be Russian trench soldiers. So they had to create a Twitter account for these soldiers that they are, the Russian trench soldiers. And they only need, they need at least 35 followers to get an A, which I feel like is not nice. <clears throat> I feel like that, that, I, I, listen, that's a big honking show topic about why are you grading kids on how many Twitter followers they have? What are we teaching our kids? But if you would help him out, they'd greatly appreciate it. I'd like for Mark's kids to have the most Twitter followers of his classroom. So head over to at Trenches for Life. That's the number four, Trenches for Life. And when you do so, uh, give him a follow. I don't know how long you need to follow him, maybe through the end of the school year. And, you know, just just do it. And Because I would love to see Mark's kid come away being like, well, wow, I had 3,000 followers and no one else did. I think it, he would get an A++, just like on, you know, the old eBay. Remember... <laughs> <laughs> Remember eBay reviews? A++. That's what they all say. Um, yeah, so so do that. That's at Trenches for Life. Do that for our friend Mark. Mark's a, a great member of the Mixler Zoo crew over at Mixler.com slash Goliverse, and I know he and his son will greatly, greatly appreciate it. So uh, it is a history lesson, and, um, and it'll be awesome uh, for him to be able to show all of his friends Y'all just thought you were doing this for a grade. I did it for life because I'm Trenches for Life. At Trenches for Life on the Twitter. And we appreciate you helping out the Goliverse in that way. That's what we do around here. 
That's what we we care about one another. That's the thing about this podcast network. That's the thing about this podcast listening audience is we genuinely care about one another. And if you can join us, ever, ever, ever join us at Mixer.com slash Goloverse, I encourage you to do so for any show. Support all the shows in the Goloverse. Rock Out Loud, Mark Out Loud, uh, Disney Vault Talk, Rebel Yell. <clears throat> Excuse me. These are, these are fun shows that we enjoy doing, and we enjoy bringing them to you. And, uh, and, and just by showing a little love, you get the other co-host really fired up. You get me fired up. And it's always great to be hanging out with the Mixer Zoo crew, mixer.com slash Goliverse. We also have a Patreon where you can support us, and we appreciate everyone who supports us at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Uh, there is a new uh, Patreon-exclusive podcast up this month. It's not a behind-the-scenes cast. I watch a movie and talk during the whole thing. This month it was Guardians of the Galaxy. I forgot, I'll be honest with you, I got through doing Guardians of the Galaxy and I started learning how to make my own uh, like album art for it and everything. And I was doing like tutorials and stuff, and and just kind of really, um, really impressing myself with what I did. And somewhere in the midst of that process, I remembered I was supposed to do Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll do we'll do that next. But I, I, it's my bad. That's on me. We appreciate you guys, though, helping us out at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Our featured supporter on this episode is Brian Murawski. As a high school student, Murawski found a strange portal to another dimension in the janitor's closet. Don't ask what he was doing there. While in this other dimension, Brian was saturated with nega rays. When he returned to our dimension, he found he had the power to manipulate light and gravity. This means that he can turn the light out. Whoa, what now? He can turn the lights out. Wait, he can turn the light out, criminals. Hmm. <sighs> Whoever wrote this is horrible at writing. He can turn the lights out on criminals and float them right to jail. For more intense battles, he can intensify light into laser beams and even make it solid. Of course, because he can control gravity, he can fly. Nega rays. Who knew? That's Brian Murawski. He's our featured supporter on this episode of Geek Out Loud, and we greatly, greatly appreciate his support as well as your support we've got a lot to do but first we've got to hear from you so let's get into some emails first email comes from Matt Marks, geekycatholicdad.com. You may want to check out his blog over there at geekycatholicdad.com. He says some great things about me, but we'll skip that. And then he says, uh, in reference to The Incredible Hulk, he said, the first episode is the only one I've ever seen of the show. I saw it several years back, and honestly, I didn't really care for it. But I loved hearing you geek out while watching it. In fact, it makes me want to seek out the show and give it another shot. I think you should, but I think you need to watch it with the mindset of it's episodic, not serialized. You need to watch it with the mindset of you're going to get a hook out at the top of the show and at the end of the show, and then you're going to get sad walking away music. Everything that happens in the middle is um, it, it's almost the same plot every time. David Banner shows up somewhere. David Banner uh, just tries to keep his head down, maybe help out some people who need some help. David Banner runs into the wrong crowd. David Banner gets thrown into a closet, down some stairs, over the other side of a bar, 
um, locked into a music case, uh, has a burning tree fall on him, tries to land a plane, um, and he becomes the Hulk. And then, because he's become the Hulk, Jack McGee is now on his tail, so he has to leave town. Cue sad walking away music. Uh, but I love that show. I, I still love it this day. I think we should do um, a little bit more of what uh, of the Incredible Hulk. But uh, it'll it'll come in spurts. I promise it won't turn into an every show thing. It won't even turn into a once a month thing. It'll just be uh, every now and again thing. It'll be like, hey, I think it's time to watch an episode of The Incredible Hulk. There are some great episodes. A lot of times the season premieres and the season finales are pretty good. Uh, you want to check out Married, uh, which was a two-parter that was pretty good. One of my favorites of all time was Prometheus, uh, which was a two-parter. The first is a seminal episode of The Incredible Hulk TV series. and uh, So, yeah, check those out. I think it'll be good. He goes on to say, on a side note, I recently got the digital edition of the Planet Hulk comics run. Wow. That was an amazing story. And it made me want to read more Hulk comics. Any recommendations? Stay geeky, my friend. Um, yes, I have many recommendations. <clears throat> now, I am very partial to uh, the old green Hulk smash Hulk. The People call him the big dumb Hulk. Um, baby talking, Hulk smash, Hulk not like you, that kind of stuff. Um some great stuff from back in the 70s with that version of the Hulk and uh, into the 80s. However, a lot of people, and myself included, really think the highlight of the Incredible Hulk series uh, begins around issue number 323, and you read through the the reappearance of the Gray Hulk. Um, I say reappearance because the Hulk was in the first issue of the Incredible Hulk originally green, uh, gray. Uh, they found out that they couldn't quite print the color gray consistently. And so they said, what do you want to do? And Stanley was like, make him green, Excelsior. And, um, and so from there on out, he was green. But they, swing, they, they swung back around in, in the 80s, uh, like I said, issue 323, I believe, let me double check that really quickly because I don't want to steer you wrong. Um, and and the Hulk uh, turned gray. Now this was all on the heels of a of a of a story arc where the Hulk found himself in a in a realm called the Crossroads of Infinity, where he um, where he was banished because he'd gone completely savage. And uh, I'm sorry, it was Hulk 324 is where this happens. The Hulk had gone completely savage, and so Doctor Strange banished, banished him to the crossroads of Infinity where he could walk for the rest of his life, basically, and go to different places and figure out where he would be happy. Uh, the Beyonder brought him back during the Secret Wars II era, back to uh, our realm, to Earth, where um, eventually he and Bruce Banner were split, and um, the Hulk was then absolutely mindless. So they had to rejoin he and Banner, and in doing so, there was some malfunctions that took place, and what emerged from the contraption in Hulk 324 where they were trying to rejoin Banner and the Hulk or get everything under control with Banner and the Hulk, I think they actually rejoined thanks to the Vision in 323, but it was very unstable, and so when they tried to stabilize everything in 324, there was a malfunction, out comes the Gray Hulk. Uh, from there, there was a Mystery Hulk for a few issues, um, and the Gray Hulk and the Mystery Hulk fight. And then uh, around issue 330, Todd McFarlane takes over the artwork and Peter David steps in to write around issue 330. 
and Peter David's issue would run until um, Peter David actually wrote 328, which was what they call an offbeat tale. But he would actually then write the hook for the next 13 years. And he did everything from making the hook um, a leg breaker in Vegas. Uh, he was he he was running around with Shield for a little while. Um, people thought he was dead. Uh, then he comes back, and then the Gray Hulk and the Green Hulk uh, merge into one big giant Green Hulk that that, that has kind of been called by fans the Professor Hulk. Um, and that was a cool run, kind of in the '90s, uh, where that all kinds of falls apart during the Heroes Reborn stuff. And then, um, and then it was kind of hit and miss as to what the Hulk actually was. And nowadays, people just kind of do with the Hulk what they want to. You know, sometimes he's dumb. Sometimes when he's dumb, the Hulk can be real fun. And then there's other times he's gray. And then there was a big red Hulk that was not the original Hulk. But you won't get there by reading today. Anyhow, um, so I would say Peter David's run is great. There's there's several different eras, like I said, of Peter David's run. Um, when the Hulk returned to Earth from Planet Hulk, and, and, and as all things in the Hulk's life, it has a tragic ending. But when he returned and from Planet Hulk, uh, there was World War Hulk, which is a big, giant crossover with a lot of... I don't know the way Marvel does crossovers and started doing crossovers back in the 2000s. It's like there's the main storyline, but then there's all these little side stories and, and it's just, it's easy to read it on the Marvel unlimited app because you can just go to the comic events and they have them laid out in order. Uh, but world war hook was okay. It was a little anticlimactic. Um, but from there we got into, into those stuff. I would say Peter David's run. I, um, after, Oh, wow. John Byrne came back and did a run on the Hulk that unfortunately just ended up not being really good, as I recall. Um, yeah, but I would I would say check out Peter David's run of the Hulk for sure. Um, start around... I would honestly start... Okay, look, serious business. I would tell you to start at 300, but 300 is like the moment where the Hulk gets... goes nuts after... Um, you know, and fights all of the Marvel universe after uh, after having been smart for a while. And so then you're going to want to go back and be like, "Well, I thought he what happened? To, what did he mean he was smart?" Um, <laughs> and that's when the Doctor Strange banishes him, and then he's in the, the Crossroads of Infinity until, like I say, about uh, issue three twelve. Um. Anyhow, look, I'm sorry, I've rambled about the Hulk. I. I love the character, and and I think it'd be fun to take some of these issues, take some of these eras, and break them down era by era, um, and, and and really get into it. If you read on the Marvel Unlimited app when you're doing the Smart Hulk back in the two eighties, two nineties range, around the Secret Wars, the first Secret Wars, there's one issue where he fights Rom the Space Knight, and on the Marvel Unlimited app because they don't have the rights to Rom anymore, as you know, he's over in the Hasbro universe. Um, they it's there's just black pages of text talking about a space knight, you know that, and and you and so 
and then you get into a different part of the story portion of the story that was going on um anyhow so yeah peter day i say all that to say peter david's run matthew matt thank you thank you for asking the question i appreciate the question means a lot to me um jose or jose i don't know how to joshua joshua j-o-s-u-e i'm sorry i don't know how to print i've never seen this name before that's amazing quinteros we'll just call him jq jq says hey steve hope you're well i recently got to thinking that uh i with a dc that when a dc reboot happened again and i wish that superman would be done better then i got to thinking what i would do with the story so i got writing some quick ideas for a series of movies that slowly build a dc universe I have the introduction of Bruce Wayne, which can then expand to his own solo movies, the introduction of The Flash to begin his solo movies, as well as Supergirl. That's a good that's a good inclusion, having Supergirl in there first. I included some of these ideas below. I know you're a Superman fan. I love your opinions and these thoughts. Thanks so much for the fun you bring to the geek world. Movie one is a Smallville-type movie. Uh, young Clark Kent that's somewhat friendly with Lex Luthor. He still works on the Kent farm. He's friends with Pete Ross and Lana Lang. He performs heroic acts on a small scale. We learn throughout the movie that this is the place where he developed his strong values and sense of community. We see Clark get his fortress of solitude and learn about his Kryptonian heritage and his abilities. When we see Kal-El master his abilities while traveling the world and saving people in different scenarios, kind of like Hobo Clark, I guess, in Man of Steel, which I kind of like, okay, until he returns home with his parents and he decides to move to Metropolis to become a reporter. As his friend, Lex helps Clark get his job at the Daily Planet. He meets Perry Lois, and they're in the middle of their investigation of Morgan Edge and Inner Gang. That's nice to bring them into the mix, I guess. This is the villain of the first movie, and their organized crime makes Superman make his appearance to defeat and put Morgan Edge in jail. Metropolis falls in love with Superman. Lex gets jealous. He does a lot of community service for the city. In a post credit scene, Lex discovers Kryptonite. Not Supernite, Kryptonite. That's not his spelling. That's my inability to speak. Um, I, Wow, I like it. You know, I. it feels like it'd be long, you know, to I like the fact that that we're not really seeing an origin. I, I I could see the credits opening up just on Smallville, you know, and you know I don't want any of this flashbacky stuff in it. I guess I'd like a linear story, which I know is not in vogue right now, but I'm I'm kind of a fan more of the linear story than anything. I guess I can't say it's not in vogue. They did it with Wonder Woman, and it worked great. Um, movie two, Superman. We see more of Clark in the Daily Planet stuff. We're introduced to General Sam Lane, who tries to introduce Clark. He sees that Clark has interest in Lois. He brings with him John Corbin, an old friend of Lois. Nice! Corbin is an injured soldier who's volunteered for an experimental procedure to allow him to walk again using robotics. I like that origin. That's a cool origin. Very nicely updated for Metallo. That's good stuff. So Metallo is the villain of this one. And Lex is behind the scenes pulling the pulling the pulling the strings a little bit. In the post credit sequence, we see Superman action in the back of a green head saying, "The last son of Krypton, I've been looking for you." In this movie, uh, we also learn that Bruce Wayne was watching the initial fight with Metallo and Superman from the Batcave. Wow, I like it. I like it. That's a. I mean, I like the. I like what you're building in the movie three, The Last Son of Krypton. And I guess this would have Brainiac. This is a lot that he wrote. Um, and this brings in Supergirl. And then finally, the fourth movie is a Man of Steel. Clark tells Lois a secret identity, asks for her to move in with him. Lois accepts and asks to interview Superman. He agrees. This wins her the Pulitzer. We see scenes of Superman saving people. 
Barry Allen we meet at CCPD. I like here's what I like most about this, JQ. I like that if it were to go in some direction like this, and I don't know if you work in the business or what, but if you do, get out there, man. Because what I like about this is that everything spins out of Superman. That this isn't something where, and that's what they were trying to do with this particular version of the DC Universe, I understand, on, on screen. Uh, I think, though, it, look, we don't want to bash Man of Steel. There are people who love that movie. There are people who love Batman v Superman. And, and, and I'm not here to bash those movies. But I, I will say that as launching points for an overall DC universe, I don't know that they were the strongest things. And I feel like they jumped to a Batman v Superman kind of setup a little too soon. Where I feel like if you could have developed a Superman character that we got to see be inspirational. So that the Flash, so that when Barry gets his powers, say, he really is inspired by what superman does to go out and do the same thing and same thing with other heroes you know that they kind of look to superman as the leader as the top dog because he does have a strong moral center and it's not a selfish it's not a selfish place that he comes from and it's not a place of um oh well i got to do this or oh i never got to do this and so now i finally get to be who i'm supposed to be and you know it's not this i'm an alien trying to fit in it is people accept him because they trust him because he's doing the right thing and he's doing the best by the people. I really dig this concept of spinning out of out of Superman because I do think, I still believe, that Superman is the quintessential superhero and that he is um he is what he- heroes are defined by. And um and so I I just think that uh that, that that'd be really great. I think it'd be good stuff. Um <laughs> Carissa in the chat says, I missed the time when Smallville and Gilmore Girls were primetime, if I'm honest. And uh, our our friend Mark Hamill, who you need to be following his son at Trenches for Life on the Twitter, um, he says, says, I'm a proud Gilmore's fan and I'm not scared to admit it. That's fine. Um, Yeah, look, I like the idea. I don't, here's the thing. Though and, and I really think that Warner Brothers right now would be smart to continue in the direction they're going if they can maintain and exceed the level of quality that we got from Wonder Woman. I think Justice League is really going to be the litmus test for how the rest of this DC universe on screen goes because they, are, they have gotten it so right uh, on the CW with The Flash, with Supergirl. A lot of people would even say Legends of Tomorrow. Arrow for me has been hit or miss, which is unfortunate because Arrow, Green Arrow is always shooting bullseyes. See what I did there? But I do think that they have a better sense of what people respond to um, for uh, as it pertains to superheroes. And I really, really believe that if the movie side of things would start to reflect that, they don't have to do the same type of stories they don't have to have as much humor, maybe, but they, but they could reflect the heart a little bit more. And I feel like that, for me, for me, that's the thing that was missing out of most of the DC movies so far, with the exception of Wonder Woman. And even, even Wonder Woman, to an extent to me, felt like we don't care what's coming forward. And, and in a good way, felt like, well, I don't care what's coming forward, we're just going to do this. Wonder Woman had a heart to it but that was also so beholden to 
what Zack Snyder had set up. The, the point the, to to the point that it, the, the the final fight scene to me looked like a Zack Snyder type movie. You know, and and if you like that, that's great. If you don't, then you know where I'm coming from on that. And and so, uh, but I like those ideas, JQ. Thanks for sending them in. Uh, this comes from TR. I should know who TR is, but there's no other, there's no other indication of who TR is. So TR. Hey, Steve, there are two things I've seen of late that has caught my interest and I'm curious in hearing your thoughts. The first is the new voice for Kermit the Frog. Uh, I was under the impression that Jim Henson's son, Brian, took over for a while following his father's death, but apparently that's a popular misconception. It's a misconception that I shared for a long time. It was Steve Whitmire, of course, who played both Rizzo and Bean Bunny. Apparently he was fired because he was, quote, difficult to work with, unquote, and Jim Henson's daughter commented that he turned Kermit into a bitter and depressed victim over the years. I don't know that he turned Kermit into that, but I do know that in the Muppets, the, the most recent Muppets show, that Kermit did come across as a little too... <sighs> that whole show was not quite right to me. The It lacked, particularly the first half, lacked the heart of the Muppets. They did not seem to like each other. Kermit did not seem to like those people, the way, those, those people, those characters, the way that he does throughout the rest of the history of the Muppets that we have. You know, Kermit... Kermit was always the one who would kind of get thrown all the work. Kermit was always the one who would, you know, end up um, footing the bill, so to speak, or they always turned to Kermit, you know, that kind of thing. But he never had a problem with that. He loved those guys, and 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 he was all about keeping them together. And, um, and, and you know, I mean, he got them to Hollywood, you know, and <laughs> it, that whole scene in, in the Muppet movie where... He's like, I never promised anyone anything. And then, but you did promise, you know, and where he's talking to himself and he realizes that, you know what, he did make a promise and he needs to help these people out because they have the same, they're sharing a dream and they've got to go after it. And that's who Kermit is uh, from the Muppet Show on. I mean, really, truly. Uh, and and so I don't know that he was bitter and depressed as, as Jim Henson's daughter commented, but I will say that, and I don't know that that's Steve Whitmire's fault, but I will say that you know the most recent incarnation we've seen of him on tv was not very familiar until the latter half you know they, they finally all started kind of being friends it seemed like but it that was a weird thing Fozzie dating somebody and all it was just not right it was just not it it didn't feel right he says now i can't speak to what happened with the puppeteer behind the scenes but the latter criticism seems to me to, that's more the fault of the writers than whitmire himself the 2011's film story pretty much was about a broken down Kermit getting the band back together. As for the Muppets TV show, I enjoyed it, but it had issues, issues that I don't think were Mr. Whitmire's fault. I agree. The best thing about that Muppet show was uh, Swedish Chef doing Rapper's Delight at karaoke. Regardless, the new actor is Mike Vogel, who also performs Uncle Deadly. You can listen to his new voice if you haven't already heard it. He did a he he was introduced by doing one of their thought for, thoughts for the day that they do or thoughts of the week that they do daily. Uh, on the Muppets YouTube. You can check it out. He's been getting mixed reviews, but I'm interested in hearing what you think. Um, acceptable. You know, I I was talking to Scott Rifen the other night ab about this. We we found ourselves talking um, all kinds of uh, 
all, all kinds of uh, Muppet stuff and just laughing and having a good time. And what's really interesting about Steve Whitmire's Kermit is that it wasn't bad, but it was off enough from Jim Henson, who we'd known for years and years and years and years, that it took a, it took a while to get used to. And I don't know that I ever fully got used to Steve Whitmire's Kermit. But I also, is it Whitmire or Whitmore? Whitmire? Um, but I also think, and I think it's because he was a little bit more high-pitched than Jim Henson. I mean, you think of Kermit as being a little high-pitched. Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. But, you know, Jim kind of, you know, he, Jim had a weird voice, a very mid-range kind of voice. You know, he could go down here for Rolf the dog, or, you know, he could come up here for Kermit. But he never went up here for Kermit. And it felt like Steve was like, hey, guys, up here. He was, like, really up. And I know, I'm look, I'm not doing good impersonations. I apologize. But you've never come here for good impersonation, let's be honest. Um, but, I, so, I just, I, you know, I mean, it it's not a shocking change. To hear his voice was not shocking to me. I can definitely tell the difference. It feels like it's headed back in the Jim Henson range for Kermit, um, but still a little bit off. So it's hard when you've grown up with something your whole life and and then and then the voice changes there. It's like watching, you know, on Disney Vault Talk, we watched the 2011 Winnie the Pooh, and, and I'd never seen it, and I was just shocked by some of the voices and the way that some of the voices were done. You know, the only one that you really noted that, that didn't really change was Pooh and Tigger, of course, but... Um, but Eeyore sounded so strange to me and Owl, you know, being Craig Ferguson was just kind of, kind of strange. So it, but it's weird, you know, I mean, and it's just one of those things you have to deal with because people aren't going to live forever. We don't, you know, I mean, we, people and people go their separate ways and people change. Uh, you know, Frank Oz has, has left the Muppets. He's been gone for a while. And, um, every now and again, you can kind of tell it's not Frank Oz, you know, and it's just, that is. That is kind of, as they say, what it is. The second bit of news, TR goes on to say, is in regards to the sequel to Creed. Apparently, while both Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan have been working on Black Panther, Stallone himself has been has been uh, returned to writing duties. I mean, look, they're going to go and film a Marvel movie? I want to write Creed too. Um, apparently, the script is done. Stallone has revealed that Dolph Lundgren will return as Ivan Drago and that the two will face off. Apparently, this is all but a done deal as both of them have teased it via Instagram and Dolph has been working out to get back into Drago shape. Can he get back into Drago shape at his age? I, look, I, that's me as a fat guy sitting in a chair that's made for fat people doing a podcast saying, can he get back into shape? I don't know, I, but I know that he's not in bad shape, for crying out loud. Just watch The Expendables. Back when you and Derek covered the movie, you both said that neither of you really needed or wanted to see Drago return. You yourself amusingly speculated that the Russians might have killed him or sentenced him to the gulag. That said, are you willing to give this a chance, or are you cautious? Should we trust Sly, or should we be concerned, seeing it's no longer Rocky's story, and he's more of a supporting character a la Mickey? Having Adonis confront the man who killed his father is an interesting concept, and as for the age gap between the two fighters, are Donnie and Drago really more absurd than Exhibition than Rocky and Mason Dixon? I'll concede it'd be interesting to see Drago in a somewhat less campy light, to see him having potentially humbled over the years. I believe there was talk of a similar character transformation for Clubber Lang in Rocky Balboa, who was originally going to be one of the fight commentators rather than Spider Rico. To be fair, Spider Rico did not commentate on the fight. Spider Rico, 
uh, ate at Rocky's restaurant, read the Bible, and washed dishes. I'm intrigued, but I have trepidation. How about you? Um, I'm all in. I am all in. Here's if if I am writing this movie and I've got to have Drago in it. Drago did indeed uh, get punished by the Russian government, by Soviet Russia, and he did indeed. Um, he probably he may have continued to box some in Russia, but he never rose to the prominence that he once was at because of his failure against the Americans. Um, there's a good chance that because of the way they treat him, let's just say, you know, look, he stood up in the middle of that match and said, which means I fight for me. For me. I just really said the two words for me. Um, and And so there's a good chance that he became defiant as they berated him and belittled him for losing to the tiny American and may have become a defector, may have been suspected as a defector, may have very well been sent to Siberia, may have very well just kind of been forgotten and humbled in that time. I would like for Drago to come back not as a villain and not as someone to fight, but as someone for Donnie to have to face as the man who killed his father and have to deal with that. Not to, not again, I don't want to see Donnie in the ring with him. I think there's a built-in uh, opponent in the in the guy that he beat, that beat him in the ring, you know, for his car when he was training. I think there's a built-in opponent there for, for Adonis Creed. But I think having that, that emotional impact of Drago showing up and for whatever reason the the question is not what does he do the question is why is he there and I think that that's the thing that's going to be hard to explain I thought Rocky Balboa did a good job of doing what happens in real life here's this computer fight you know we're dreaming about this match it could never happen you know what if these two were able to fight in their prime and Rocky, who felt like his prime was ended early, kind of gets a hair to go back out there and do it again. And he's wanting to fight around anyway, just to kind of because he's got nothing else. And and Rocky's plan was never to go do this big exhibition. His plan was just to kind of go back to the, you know, to the old, you know, re- resurrection church and, and just kind of, you know, fight on the side kind of thing. And, and I would really, uh, you know, the question, I guess I come back to the question is why is Drago there? That's the question you have to ask is, is why is Drago there? Um, if he's going to be in this thing and, and, and I don't think he needs to be there to fight. So, uh, that's the old emails. And we thank everyone who emails us at geekoutonline at gmail.com. That's geekoutonline at gmail.com. Whatever you're geeking out about, let us hear from you and, uh, let's talk about it. Here we go. Get it in first. We are, uh, <laughs> we have just let, grind it till you find it, as they say. Oh, are you there? Right? Yeah, Team Steve. Team um, Steve. <laughs> grind it till you find it. On a, in an automatic, by the way. They <laughs> 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 had jumbo wings and tenders.
I was hoping there would be a gate guard to sweet talk up mm -hmm. there, but it was not. We, we saw a lot of long ponytails today. Okay, we'll edit this part out. No, no we won't. I know you won't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't edit it. If I'm looking in the sun too long, everything gets fuzzy after that. I mean, that's everybody. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize y'all's neighborhood. Whosoever shall be found. Go, send yourselves! Stand and face the hounds of hell. Oh, she's a scary child. Rot inside a corpse's shell. Shaz is convinced they were stacking bodies in this cemetery. <laughs> I mean, that's premium plot right there. I would have been like, hey, you, tell me about these jumbo wings and tenders. The announcer looks at me and uh, he says, you want to eat? I was like, what? We, we should probably go back for some jumbo wings um, and tender. Jumbo wings and tender. Jumbo wings and tender. Jumbo wings and tender. This expedition has become something I was not expecting. Indeed it did. And coming in October, we're doing our Stranger Things walkthrough as uh, we will lead up to Stranger Things Season 2. It's going to be daily Geek Out Louds, nightly Geek Out Louds, if you will, where we're going to be watching an episode a night for eight nights in a row of Stranger Things, culminating on uh, October 27th when Stranger Things 2 will uh will drop on netflix so uh october 26th will be the last night of the stranger things walkthrough so that at 3 a.m on the east coast or midnight on the west coast or whenever that thing hits netflix you can go ahead and start binge watching having just watched the previous eight days right through uh stranger things it's going to kick off with the stranger things expedition that uh was sponsored by steve bennett and included myself and shaz bazaar we went around to various filming locations for Stranger Things. We um, we <laughs> we we went out to random country roads. Uh, we snuck in places we did not belong. Um, we there's a whole story uh, behind the jumbo wings and tenders. You'll have to tune in to that episode for, and it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to that coming in October, and to go along with said episodes and walk through and the and the expedition podcast um there will be a blog uh there'll be blog posts rather multiple blog posts over at geekoutonline.com where you can see pictures of everything that we saw there'll be side-by-side -side shots of um pictures we took with screenshots from the the television show it's going to be good stuff so um we are going to uh it's going to be a good time. 
if you're live in the Mixer Zoo crew right now, Shaz Bazaar is trying to spoil the Jumbo Wings and Tender story. And um and and I don't appreciate that, Shaz. Let's not ruin the let's not ruin the mystery. Let's not take away the mystery from everybody. Come on. Jumbo Wings and Tenders. The sad thing is, is I could drive to the Jumbo Wings and Tenders, I guess, in about mm, 45 minutes to an hour's time. But who has time to do that? Well, uh, listen, there's several things I want to talk about. You know, every now and again, you just kind of get fired up about some things or some things happen that pertain to the geekdom, and you just want to talk about them. There's not really a theme, necessarily, that flows through. And you kind of sit back and you're like, so I've got this, 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 and this to talk about. I can't build a whole show around it. So a lot of times what that ends up meaning for all of us is, uh, well, snippets. But if I'm being honest, I forgot to pull out my snippet drops. And so now I'm rushing frantically to get the snippet drops and, uh, and, and play the the snippet uh the snippet music so let's do that we got some snippets it's a snippet episode snippets brought to you by geekoutonline.com where you can go and click through to great services like amazon think geek entertainment earth iHome audio Fabric.com and Fandango and uh, and help support the shows in doing so. Uh, use those links. It really does help us out. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about Death Note. Have you seen this thing on Netflix? Apparently, Death Note is a thing that was a thing before it was a thing on Netflix. And what I mean by that is it was an anime thing or a manga thing. Not sure which. I don't know if they're different. But I will tell you this, I was watching uh, some shows like on the CW app and during the commercials it would come on and um, and and there would be a promo for Death Note. And I'm not into scary movies. Uh, it's just not my thing. I'll watch some of the old 80s scary movies, you know, um, because they kind of get so over the top they're not really scary anymore. But this... But I kept hearing, you know, there's a character that's like this death god or whatever, and it's Willem Dafoe's voice, and and I'm like, wow, Willem Dafoe did this, and and it seemed that the the concept was kind of intriguing, so that it didn't seem like it was going to be so much scary as much as kind of a suspense kind of thing. And then I watch it, I so I, so I watched it. I decided to watch it, and I will tell you this: uh, it's not a family movie. Um, there is some gore. Uh, early on, as you get further into the movie, the gore factor kind of decreases. It's almost like they want to shock you up front because they think that's going to hold your attention, and then they ran out of budget as they kept going on. Whereas they could have done without the gore, and it still would have been the exact same movie, just without gore, and that would have been fine. But now I'm going to tell you straight up, it's, I don't know... This is one of the, the... The reason I bring this to the table, ladies and gentlemen, is because I don't know how I feel about it. I I absolutely at no point said, I'm turning this off. This is so stupid. But I also absolutely at no point said, this is the greatest thing I've ever watched in my life. However, I feel like that I either should have turned it off because it was so stupid or 
it was the greatest thing I've ever watched in my life. Now, a lot of fans of the original manga or manga or anime are not happy with it because it does not follow the original storyline, of course, like you say. Um, and But, I mean, what does? What adaptation ever does? Here's what ultimately i loved about this thing the, the premise is a kid finds a journal that's like this old journal not the necronomicon mind you and if you write someone's name in it that person will die you write their name and how you want them to die and you can even control them for like a period of time um before they die and so this kid finds this book and he does this and and he then is saddled with this death god who has a weird name that is voiced by uh, Willem Dafoe. And he's a smart alecky thing. You know, he's not really ever funny, you know, but he's also, he thinks he's funny. He's that kind of thing. You know, he thinks he's funny, but he's not really funny. And so this kid has this book and he decides he wants to use it for good and he wants to kill all the bad people. Well, all around the world, all around the world, statues crumble for me. Um, he is taking out like Japanese gangsters and and mob people, and you know he's taking out the worst of the worst. So these people are getting killed left and right. By the way, in the midst of this, there's a girl that he likes that she decides she likes him, and she finds out about the Death Notebook, and she's all about it. Like she is just consumed with this thing, and so he's going to try to be a hero. Well. Guess what? Uh, police don't like um, people taking the law into their own hands, and so they begin. And so there's this weird character who's like one of the. He's, he was raised to be the greatest detective in the world, and he never sleeps, and he likes candy, and um, and so he's he's hot on the trail, and he's figuring everything out, even though he shouldn't be able to figure everything out, and it all culminates in this great like action, not action sequence, but this great like calamity sequence on a ferris wheel and before that there's a dance where they're playing some 80s tune so i'm like okay i'm in but then in a moment that i know is meant to be it's meant to be touching it's meant to be heart-wrenching it has to be but this is what begins to play without the interruptions there so i mean all this destruction and all this potential death is happening everything is falling apart and this is playing if we didn't stay together and if it was over maybe it was for the better. guns are firing people are scared to death because this big contraption's falling And this is playing. Everybody. I don't want to live without your love. I don't want to face the night alone. I can never make it through the night. If I had to make it on my own. I don't want to love nobody else. I don't want to find somebody new. I just want to live without your love. I mean, come on. 
It was so cheesy. And that's when I decided maybe this is the greatest thing ever. I cannot recommend Death Note. I just can't. I, I want to be able to, and I want someone to come alongside me and feel the same way that I feel about it. But, um, I mean, it's an hour and a half of your life that you may not ever get back. But if you watch it, please email me at geekoutonline at gmail.com and let me know if if this is the greatest thing ever or if it's just a big waste of space. By the way, a reading, before we get on to our next snippet, a reading from a Star Wars card that comes to you via the Burger King restaurant company. Star Wars, Everybody Wins trading cards. There are 36 different trading cards in the Everybody Wins game, so you can save them or trade them with your friends. Play Everybody Wins again the next time you visit Burger King. Game ends July 30th, 1981, or when game card supplies run out. I don't think I won, except that I did get this card. Stormtrooper attack on the front. It's straight out of Star Wars where they're shooting down at Leia and Luke before Leia and Luke swing over the bridge. It's two Stormtroopers taking aim and missing. That is a reading from a Burger King trading card circa 1980. And now, our next snippet. And now, our next snippet. Thank you, Chandler. Uh, Where do we go here? Let's see. Um, Ultimate Marvel. Ultimate Marvel is coming out as a book. And it's coming out. It's a fully illustrated chronological compendium of every significant character, location, weapon, and vehicle in the company's illustrious almost 80-year history. It's coming out in October, published by DK. I was fortunate enough to get my hands on a copy early, thanks to them. Uh, And what's great about this book, I've had a chance to thumb through it. There'll be future readings from Ultimate Marvel here on Geek Out Loud. What's really cool about this is exactly what they say in that description is that it's in chronological order so you open up and you start with heroes and villains and they begin with the very first ever timely comics heroes yeah and and so you end up you don't start out with spider-man you know you start out with i forget who you start out with you know but you don't even start out with captain america and they go through everybody during that era of comics and in you're and you're literally 10 or 12 pages in before you hit the fantastic four but it's all done in chronological order so it's a really neat thing to kind of see the progression of marvel comics into what they are today and so then you get into a timeline of, of marvel comics and the timeline they do is not in such and such a time stan lee came to town and did this it's in 1961, here's the Fantastic Four, rocket into space and do this. And, and you get in, in it and you read through and it goes through every big event. They leave out and, and maybe they come back and pick it up later on like in a in appendix or something. But they kind of skip over the Heroes Reborn era. So they go from like, they jump from like 97 to 2000. And, and they kind of miss some of the, they mention, they do mention the Onslaught stuff. But they don't really, and they touch on the Heroes Reborn, but they don't really give it its own little section like they do some of this other stuff. Uh, And then, yeah, then you get into the vehicles and the weapons and everything. And it's just a really, it's one of those really cool books like DK puts out. It's Ultimate Marvel. If you have the opportunity, if you're a Marvel fan, you got a Marvel fan in your life, uh, it is 
it's a cool coffee table size book that's worth having on the bookshelf. And I'm not just saying that if, if I didn't like it, I would have told you so. I would say, well, you know, you can do without it. It It's just one of those cool books they do. You know, it's like the ultimate Star Wars and that sort of thing. I believe it actually came out today. I didn't get it in my hands until today. But they were saying October, but it's available right now on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon, the hardcover. Iron Man is on the old cover. By the way, Iron Man is a household name, which I think is really cool in 2017. Um, you can get it by Friday with Amazon Prime uh, by... Go, well, if you're listening live, uh, by going over to Amazon, use the links at geekoutonline.com and look up uh, Ultimate Marvel. Now, we have a connection there because our friend Adam Bray, friend of the show, Adam Bray, uh, is a writer on this. He also was a writer on Ultimate Star Wars, absolutely everything you need to know. Uh, Star Wars Marvel, absolutely everything you need to know. The Star Wars Visual Encyclopedia, um, Star Wars Chronicles of the Force. Uh, so he is the visual guide to Rebels. Um, he, you know, he is not, he is not unfamiliar with this kind of territory and he's one of the authors on it. And he, once again, they knock it out of the park with this type of stuff. So check it out. It's ultimate Marvel. I really dig it. I left it at the office or I would actually be flipping through and doing some readings from it right now. And, uh, we will definitely be doing readings from, um, ultimate Marvel in, in the future. So stand by for that. How about another snippet? Thank you, Mr. Bullwhip. That was a quick snippet is what that was. Um, I got a new jam. I got a new jam. One and one made me sick. And I've been playing it in a lot of the pre-show stuff. Uh, this, the other day I was, I was sitting there by myself, as I often do. Um, <laughs> yeah, most of the time in my life, I'm by myself. And so I was sitting there by myself and I got a hankering to rewatch the, uh, the greatest superhero movie of the year so far, the Thor Ragnarok trailer, the second one where the Hulk talks in the end. And I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things of all time. And I was really digging the, the track they were playing on that. And I'm like, what is that? I wonder if that's just like random trailer music or if that is, you know, something that was made just for this trailer. Because, you know, back in the day, they had, you know, they had, they, they would, they relied heavily on uh, this this group, a group or person or a group of people called E.S. Posthumus. Um, and, and there was a song by them that was in just about every, every single trailer that was coming out. I, I, it was in one of the Spider-Man trailers. Is this right? Is this the one? Let me jump ahead. Yeah. Like you, I mean, this is trailer music is what this is. Coming 2017. Uh, this is the one that was in the Spider-Man trailer. Yes. Come on. You'll recognize it. Anyway, here, let me get to the... 
That, you know that music. Anyhow, so I was like, is this just kind of trailer music like that? Is there someone that makes stuff specifically for this? And I was like, or is this some 80s song that I'm not picking up on? Because it just sounded like that. And so I Googled it, as you do. And I found out in my Googling of this that, number one, it's by a group called Magic Sword. Uh, or a person called Magic Sword. I don't know. It's synth music. And y'all, it's the greatest thing. This is what's actually playing in the Thor trailer. Look, if this doesn't feel like it fits into like an 80s suspense movie or something come on there's nothing this just makes me feel 80s oh here we go come on come on yeah and it's not like EDM you know it's not you know trance music it's this really cool synth music maybe it is trance music I don't know but the thing is is they've got a whole CD out and it's called um, it's called something volume one I can't see the t- it's called <laughs> it's called volume one that's all it's called volume one um, and I've just been jamming this I just drive around with this stuff playing because you feel awesome when you drive around with this stuff playing you know because at some point it's going to kick in and it's going to this is the stuff that makes you feel like you're more awesome than you are when you're when you're giving it a listen and or like things are more tense than they really are and it really comes in good on toy runs we'll talk more about that in a second this is called the beginning of course it is and you're like are all they going to do is just hold notes on a keyboard and just see someone standing there like they're at their giant synthesizer just hitting notes and just holding them acting like they've done something really good Come on. I mean, look. Get out and drive with this music on. This is a great... I have been jamming... Electric drums! Yes! And you know that's not electric drums. That was a drum machine. I have been driving to this music unashamedly and enjoyably. So what I found out when I uh, when when I actually googled this because I YouTubed it first, and over in the corner, oh, I mean it's like call and response between a synthesizer and a guitar. Yeah. 
love it. Love it. But I found out there's like a whole genre of music that is this synth music. And I'm like, I want it all. This is this is what I want my life to be. And the problem is, is I do a podcast called Rock Out Loud with the rock and his chicken in the land, Christian from Jersey. And I could never bring this. I want to bring this to every show. But I could never bring this and be taken seriously by Kristen ever again. A reading from a trading card. Return of the Jedi Series 2, you know, by the Blue Border. The title of said card, Bizarre Alien Creatures. The picture of a creature on the card, Yak Face. Yak Face. The card reads... As such, number 212, Star Wars or Star Quiz, open parentheses, quote, Star Wars, unquote, close parentheses. What is the name of the famous horror film actor who played Grand Moff Tarkin? Open parentheses, answer on next card, close parentheses. Answer to card 211 is at least 800 years. Well, we all know that that was Peter Cushing. We don't have to find card number 211, but that was a reading from Topps Trading Card 212, Return of the Jedi Series 2, Bizarre Alien Creatures. Snippet? Snippet. There we go. Could you do that louder this time? Thank you, Chandler. Thank you so much for that. Um, Let's go to Star Wars news. It's the big stuff right now. This is the one that everyone's talking about. Colin Trevorrow has been let go as the director of Star Wars Episode Nine. That is the news, of course, they cite the they cite specific creative differences that their view of the way the story should go did not line up with Collins they being Lucasfilm and so he is gone uh they've done a good job every time they've canned somebody of really not trashing that person and I appreciate Lucasfilm for that um I don't know that Colin Trevorrow was lighting anyone's fire with him being the director I I kind of always forgot that he was the director. I was assuming Ryan Johnson. I kept assuming. I, I kept thinking that Ryan Johnson was writing and directing eight and nine. Um, they have not announced a replacement director yet. This is the earliest that they have let a director go outside of Josh Trank back in the day. You'll remember several years ago, Josh Trank was attached to what I honestly assume is the Han Solo standalone film. They were calling it a Boba Fett film. Um, and uh, he was let go after the fan stick debacle that happened with he and Fox. Two sides of that story. I'm sure the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, it depends on if you ask Kate Mara or not. Um, at this point, I'm thinking Lucasfilm shouldn't announce a director when they announce new movies. That they should announce the director they'll be replacing in the future. And uh, <laughs> I, I look. I'm sure things will be okay. This is, of course, big news because we're Star Wars fans. This does seem to be a pattern, and that's disconcerting. It's disconcerting that they don't have their stuff together enough to realize from the get-go that someone's 
creative vision and their creative vision are two separate things. Um, you know, it it, ha it happened with Lord and Miller on the Han Solo film, Han Solo and Chewbacca standalone film, and now it's happened with Colin Trevorrow. It happened with Gareth Edwards. Not so, not very vocally, you know, but everything that we've been told about those reshoots on Rogue One point to that there were other directors involved, uh, Chris McQuarrie being the main one who came in to help clean things up. Um, Gareth was still around, but apparently his role was greatly diminished. Gareth Edwards, that is. Um, so I really, I really think that, um, and there's a lot of theories out there. You know, Dave Atterbury brings up it was over. He his guess is over the new script. He thinks Trevor was having a hard time getting past the original Leia heavy story. That could be true. Um, it it could also be true that. Uh, he wanted to do Star Wars in a way they don't want to do Star Wars. You know, I, I, it seems like it may have something to do with the Leia thing. Fans are really split over what they think should be done with Princess Leia. I'm in the camp of, I'm really not sure. You know, I, I don't think recasting, I know that recasting would be hard, but I don't think it'd be the end of the world if they would have recast Princess Leia. Um, and and continued her story the way they the way that they originally intended to to continue that character's story however i also recognize that carrie fisher for so many of us was princess leia and that no one could ever step into that role um you know this isn't like james bond where you had sean connery for you know seven eight years and then george lazenby for one movie and then you know, Roger Moore for so long, and then Timothy Dalton for just a couple of movies, and then Pierce Brosnan for a couple of movies, and then, you know, now Daniel Craig. The the, the Bond thing, after Lazenby, after, after the situation with Lazenby back to Connery, then to Roger Moore, it's one of those things that set up the ability to kind of accept, especially since, uh, since Timothy Dalton. It, it's really set up the ability to accept a new Bond in that role even though there's only been three, you know, including Dalton since Dalton took the mantle. But you just kind of expect that recast to happen at some point. With Star Wars, even though we know that it's going to have to happen, if they're going to continue beyond episode nine, and and even if the characters if the characters should survive, and even if they just make uh you know a cameo here or there, it's going to have to happen where these characters are recast and and we're just going to have to deal with that you know uh if if i live to see that uh the we there being me but um i don't know see that's the thing it, it, i also know that and, it, and it's finally been made very public you know ryan johnson talked about kind of having a clean slate to work with that he had total freedom to take the story where he wanted to go that there was no mandate given to him from jj and the crew before and unfortunately uh, look, that's great from being able to make a film and tell a story. But there are some big major points that I feel like should have been taken care of before Ryan Johnson took the reins of Episode 8. So that going into Episode 9, you kind of had an idea of what was happening and what was going to be going on. One of those things is Ray's origins. There's no origin. There was J.J. Uh, Abrams and the story group didn't come up with an origin for Ray. So all of our theories are their theories. And I think that's, to me, I look at that, I'm like, well, what's a story group for then? 
You know, if you can't come away with the big plot points, not the, how they get from point A to point B, but what is point A and what is point B? What are the what is the nature of, of these characters? What are their origins? And I don't think we should ever expect to hear anything about Snoke in the films other than Snoke is Snoke. He kind of somehow took over the reins of the Empire and, you know, the First Order or what have you. And, and, you know, now Snoke having been revealed, you know, looking like a dried up California raisin. I know raisins are already dried up, but he does. He looks like a reject from the California raisins group from back in the day. And that's fine. That's fine. There was one headshot of him where he's kind of straight on. And uh, <laughs> someone looked, it was, one of, it was one of those leaked shots from a few weeks back. And, and it's the only one that I saw because someone sent it to me and said, Alan Arkin. Um, I think it was Alan Arkin. Yeah, they said. But any, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. But look, you know, as it now plays into Trevorrow's deal, you know, maybe this guy, maybe he did have that freedom. Now that freedom has been taken away from him. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that somewhere along the way with Ryan Johnson, they got their ducks in a row. And then, of course, the Princess Leia thing adds to that. You know, Carrie Fisher's death adds to that. And I really think that there was, that that was probably the situation. But again, if it were the first time, I would say totally understandable circumstances changed we got you this is not the first time this is josh trank gareth edwards lord miller if you count those as two if you count those as two instead of one director this is five directors the trank thing i understand i understand why they did what they did trank put himself in movie jail with fantastic four um the Gareth Edwards thing, I don't know that I fully understand. The uh, the Lord Miller thing, I'm still, I don't know. I you To me, I look at that and I say, you know what you were getting when you hired those guys. If you didn't, then somebody lied to somebody in, in those meetings. You know, you didn't just meet them once and say, these are the guys. And I was really having high hopes for what they're doing. I think that there's a, there's a, there's a, there are two minds at Lucasfilm. I think on one hand, they want you to think that they're trying to break new ground and do something different. But on the other hand, they're scared to death to do that. John, uh, Ryan Johnson has talked about, uh, well, well, in the big sizzle reel. Sizzle? Sizzle. Not scissor. Sizzle reel. Harder to say than you might think. Uh, John Boyega talks about this being a different Star Wars than you've ever seen. And he talks about it like it's a good thing. But, you know, back in 1999, we got a different Star Wars than anything we'd ever seen. And there was a very loud group of people who did not like it. And that continued right on into episodes two and three. And there's a lot of people to this day who will talk about Star Wars and say, well, except those prequels. Well, guess what? That's a Star Wars like nothing you've ever seen. Ryan Johnson, then I saw something more specific today. There was a picture that came out from Empire Magazine where Finn and Rose are in the picture and they're kind of, they look like they're having a bit of a, uh, a, a tiff with one another. And um, they're on the that planet that I, I think the gambling planet or something. I don't know. But anyhow, Johnson talked about, you know, I like the idea. What's, I can't think of the planet's name. Cato bite. Anyhow, the gambling planet. And, and he talked about how 
you know, I like that in this world that's so gritty, all of a sudden we go to somewhere that's nothing like we've seen in Star Wars. I'm like, but we have. Have you not seen the Senate chamber? Have you not seen the inside, the interior of people's offices? Have you not seen Naboo? These are things that were not gritty. These were, these were things where everything was soft and smooth. And nobody liked that in Star Wars. So why do you think you're going to be able to throw that in? Because we did get gritty Tatooine in The Phantom Menace. We got gritty, in, uh, we got gritty Tatooine in a droid factory in Geonosis in Attack of the Clones. We got this lava planet. Nothing but grit that's melted down in Revenge of the Sith. But everyone, one of the criticisms that comes away is it's not Star Wars. You know, it's not a used future kind of look like George Lucas always wanted. So I, I think that they're of two minds about everything over there. I think on one hand, they want to be perceived as doing something new and different. But when someone tries to do that, they push back against that and say, well, it's not Star Wars enough. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? That that I don't know. I know that when people criticize The Force Awakens for being too derivative of A New Hope, I don't like that criticism of that film. I see where they're coming from, but I don't like that criticism of that film because I feel like that what J.J. Abrams was doing was trying to give everybody what they wanted and, and trying to get back into this world in a way that everyone would accept. And by and large, fans like The Force Awakens. People love The Force Awakens. So he did something right in, with what he did. And, and so he can't be too faulted for having done Star Wars the wrong way or being too derivative of Episode Four, even though I totally see where those criticisms come from. I think that he took echoing to the too too big a level, though. I think that um, where Lucas would echo himself or have rhyme schemes, basically, he, he compared it to a poem or a song. And Lucas had rhyme schemes in the prequels in the original trilogy. There were things in the prequels that rhymed with things that we'd see in the original trilogy. So to to come away and and try to do that, it was a little too heavy-handed. Ryan Johnson has said this is not going to be as derivative of Empire, and I and I have no reason to doubt him. You know, talking about the Last Jedi, so I you know it's one of those wait and see kind of things. I'm in I'm in very much a wait and see mode with Star Wars right now, not because it's let me down, but I'm I'm a little bit, if I'm being honest, I I I think I've got Star Wars fatigue. I think something has happened to me that I never thought would be able to happen to me. And I'm not dogging Star Wars. I'm not saying there's too much. I'm not saying it's stupid. I'm not saying it's dumb. But I am saying there has been a lot come out from Star Wars. uh, Comics, books, uh, that just have not really tickled my fancy the way that things used to with them. So Rebels has been great. Uh, Uh... you know, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to, um, to the last Jedi. And I'll be honest with you. I think it'll all be all my ills will be cured if Luke Skywalker still has a lightsaber and he uses it. I want to see Luke Skywalker use the green lights. I don't care about him using his old lightsaber. Uh, what I want to see is Luke Skywalker use his green lightsaber. Um, and I think you know, then all my ill, then all of my, then all my fears will be calmed. And and there and there and there will be peace. But Colin Tre I say all that to say Colin Trevorrow was out. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Not that I need to have an opinion necessarily. I do I think 
there's a bigger issue though than they just don't they i think it's a bigger issue than creative differences kind of so to speak i think i think there's an internal organizational problem in the way that they're running things at lucasfilm and that's not i'm not trying to be overly negative i'm not trying you know i couldn't run lucasfilm i'm not saying i could do better but i do think this is a symptom of a bigger problem you know um if having creative differences with this many people is an issue and you've got to figure out are you going to hire people that are going to get in line or are you going to hire people that you're going to fire and get someone that'll get in line uh kathleen kennedy has such goodwill with now look truth be told if kathleen kennedy said we fired colin trevorrow because steven spielberg became available <laughs> okay let's do it let's see what spielberg can bring to the table we fired colin trevorrow because we decided joe johnston needed a swing at a star wars movie great i'm i'm 100 behind that um not that not that someone lost their jobs so someone else could have it but you know like like if that's the replacement ron howard you know was an inspired choice and 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 people have really turned the corner and, and are loving what they're seeing out of the han solo chewbacca standalone film ron howard has been very interactive with fans on twitter and, and that ended up being a good thing for them uh at lucasfilm and we'll see how the actual final product turns out i'm sure it'll be fine uh with with the last jedi i think there's a lot riding on the shoulders of ryan johnson and i think i think from a public face standpoint he has weathered all that he's had to weather with this very well ryan johnson has carried the banner of star wars very well in interviews and stuff we've seen him in he's very positive about it he's very positive about his experience making the film and and i think that's a good thing so there's as much good as there is bad coming out of lucasfilm so it's just one of those things like well we'll see we'll see i i do wonder what the role of the story group is supposed to be though if we don't have the big questions answered uh going into these things i i don't understand the purpose of the story group then so that's that's my take on that and finally ladies and gentlemen speaking of star wars one more snippet Whoopa! now look before we get into this do i have another a reading from the tops trading card series gremlins 2 the new batch from 1990 this is card number 49 hit the road bat the picture is a regular gremlin no it's the smart gremlin the guy with the glasses and the gremlin that is the bat and it says the splice of life madness continues a gremlin mutant with advanced intelligence speaks eloquently while aiding his reptilian cohorts in the transformation process the now fully formed bat gremlin takes to the air soaring near the ceiling as frantic scientists chase him continued on card 50 a batty escape i you know what look but I, this is interesting um a gremlin mutant advanced intelligence speaks eloquently reptilian cohorts transformation um i gotta tell you the language on this card i was well i was 13 when i was collecting these um but even as a as a smaller kid you used to read stuff like this and you just made your way through it you 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 know you you've you muddled through as best you can with some of these words and stuff and 
I think it really helped reading comprehension back in the day. I don't know what... And now because it's all grown-ups collecting these cards and stuff, I don't know that kids have... I don't know. And I read comics, and the language in the comics is kind of dumbed down nowadays, it seems like, sometimes. Let's give our kids fun things to read that challenge their reading level. Anyhow, the more you know... Force Friday 2 happened last week at the time of this recording. Thursday night, uh, I was not going to go. I started getting texts from our friends Teresa Delgado over at uh, Disney Vault Talk and Eric Chernevice. You know him from Past the Corn. He's my brother from another mother. We were in a group text along with Aaron Goins from Star Wars Bookworms. And um, we they were talking about where they were at. Teresa was out in Austin doing her thing. Uh, she was at a Target and a Toys R Us, and um, and she was, uh, and they were. I think she was at Target. Arish and Aaron were at Toys R Us, and so they start sending pictures of all the ongoings and happenings. I wasn't going to go to Midnight Madness. I just, I really, the only thing I want out of this new Last Jedi line is an old Luke. That's really all I wanted was an old Luke. And and so I'm like, well, I'll just go tomorrow or whatever. Because last year at Rogue One, the Toys R Us here in town had everything you needed and then some. They had complete uh complete stocking of all the shelves. It was it was really, really a fantastic experience. You you, you were not gonna go away empty handed with the Rogue One. Um however, unfortunately uh apparently it was not so with the last jedi but any but i didn't know that and so i figured you know the next day will be fine i'll go to toys r us grab an old luke and we'll be good to go i did watch uh some australian toys r us do some unboxing and some uncrating of some things they actually opened up some of the toys and stuff to show them off and i'm like that's really cool and they had everything i'm thinking man if they have everything our toys they're in australia our toys r us will have everything you need so i'm good to go if I want to go get an old Luke, I'll go at my own sweet, sweet leisure, and, and I'll go there. But I started getting these texts. I started seeing people, and I'm like, you know what? There were only about a dozen people there last year. Surely there can't be that many more people there this year. It's 1130. I'm going to go to Toys R Us. So I go to Toys R Us at 1130 to get in the store at midnight and buy an old Luke. And I pull up, it is absolutely, completely dark in the parking lot. The lights on to- lights inside of Toys R Us are on, but they've turned off the parking lot lights. They've turned off their sign lights. There are about a dozen people mulling over by the entrance. Um, and there's a Chewy. Someone dressed as Chewbacca. So they're doing Midnight Madness. And actually, I drove by that day to look in the window to see. And they, sure enough, they said they'd be open at midnight. So I'm sitting there. And y'all, this is... It's a weird scene because it is pitch black in the parking lot, pretty much. The only light is coming from the glow of the lights inside of Toys R Us. Like, you should not be hanging out in a dark parking lot at 11.45 at night. But there, there all these people were... There I was, and there was lethargic Chewy, just like not even taking pictures with people, just walking around, walking back and forth, 
trying to get in, you know, just looking into the store every now and again, walking back to the people, you know, doing his thing. And it was just, I mean, like he was just wandering around, like just swinging his arms, no big deal. Everyone that wanted a picture with him, I guess, had gotten a picture. And he just total chewy lethargy, 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 lethargy. Email me, geekoutonline at gmail.com. And so I'm sitting there, and I video Lethargic Chewy, and I send it to Teresa and Arish and Aaron. I narrated it. I, let me see. I, I don't know if it's funny if you're not watching it. Um, but this is... There he is, Lethargic Chewy. Just wandering around. Just wandering around. there's some people it's really dark it, yes that's exactly that was life that was real life and it happened and so uh about 10 till because i didn't want to stand in line i i go over and i get in line and i saw some guys that i met last year and i say hey and i they were at the front line i could have just jumped in with them but i'm not going to be that person you know I go back to the back line because I'm thinking they'll have plenty of everything. They had plenty of everything last year. Well, they finally let us in. They have T-shirts, of course, and a poster. The poster looks pretty cool. T-shirt's not going to fit me. It's an extra large. At this point in my life, y'all, I've put on so much weight, I have multiple X's before the L in my shirts. So I go to the first place where they say there's some Star Wars stuff, and there's really not anything there. So I go back to the Star Wars aisle. Everyone's already there. There, You can see as I'm approaching, I can see the disappointment. No black series figures. Everyone's thumbed through the three and three quarter inch series. And they're like, is this all y'all got? Yeah, man, this is all we got. And so everyone's just kind of standing there super like, well, I feel like we're here at midnight. We should buy something. So I get my turn to kind of thumb through the figures and no Lukes. All I wanted was an old Luke, no Luke. This little short dude had skittered back there like a punk. There were only two Lukes that they got in. Got them both. Got them both. Ugh. You know what? I felt guilty in that moment for the collector that I used to be when I would buy two of everything. I felt like in that moment, I saw my old self, and I wanted to drop kick me. And because he was so short, if I would have dropped, if I would have drop kicked the metaphorical me that was him, I would have hit him square in the top of the head, <laughs> even with the lack of air that I can get at my size. So I go back to little figures, and I look, and they've got a ray. They've got a new ray, and I'm like, well, I didn't really care to get a new ray, but I'll get a new ray. You know, that'll be fine. That'll be good. She's cool. She's got a really cool outfit. It's a little bit darker. I'm digging it. Okay, we'll take the new ray. And they had uh, some Hot Wheels, and I got an old Luke Hot Wheel, a two-pack with an old Luke Hot Wheel and a ray. By the way, I, I am encouraged because the old Luke Hot, Wheel car ha Hot Wheels car has um, – has a green windshield. So I'm encouraged that we may get a little lightsaber action from Luke. But anyhow, uh, but that's, you know, whatever. I'm probably reading too much into things. 
So I go make my purchase and I'm like, well, I'm out. I'm out and about. I'm going to mosey on over to Walmart. We have two Walmarts in our town. We have one Walmart on the west side of town, one Walmart on the east side of town. I went to the west side of town because it was closer. Walk in, they've opened nothing. There is nothing on the shelves. Nothing. Nothing on the shelves. Nada. Not a, there's nothing in Action Alley. There's nothing on an end cap. Nothing. And there's this dude just kind of hanging out. And I'm like, nothing, huh? He's like, nope. And I'm like, you're going to stick around and wait? He's like, I don't know. I'm going to try and see if, if they've got someone that's going to stock them up tonight. I'm like, okay, man. Well, I'm out. I'm headed out. So at this point, I'm literally a mile and a half from my place. And so I'm like, can I go? I should, I could, I should go home. It's, it's almost 1245 at this point. I should go home. But no, I'm going to drive the eight miles over to the east side of town to that Walmart to see what they've got. Pull into the parking lot. As I'm getting out of my car, here come these two dudes, one of which I definitely recognize from Toys R Us. I also met him last year. We also ended up at Walmart at the same time last year because I think there was like maybe one or two figures that they didn't have, like Black Series figures that we were all looking for last year for the Rogue One. So as I'm getting out, they're like, don't even bother, man. They say they won't even be there. Uh, it, they'll, they'll be there in the morning. They're, they're stocking it at 7 in the morning. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to be here. And I get to talk to these guys, really super nice guys. The one guy that I didn't recognize, the reason I didn't recognize him, lethargic Chewy. Did I tell him that I thought he was the most lethargic Chewy I'd ever seen? Yes, I did. <laughs> I was like, dude, you you were a lethargic too. You're just kind of walking. He's like, what do you do after you've taken pictures? I said, I don't know. I said, but I'll tell you this. I really enjoyed narrating your walking back and forth through the parking lot area, just wandering around aimlessly. And it was fun. I told him what I did. and He laughed. Come to find out he works at a church near here. So I made a new church friend and that's always great and fun. And so we talked for a little while about Star Wars, about collecting, about being new in town relatively, not have, me not having any friends in town except for Chad Reed. And, um, and so then it's time to go. It's now 115, 120-ish. And this is where my Force Friday went south, ladies and gentlemen. Not only... Was I going home pretty much empty-handed? I mean, I have a new Ray. I'm looking at her right now. She's pretty cool. I have some Hot Wheels, I guess, that turned out all right. Not only, though, am I going home without the one thing that I wanted out of Force Friday. Not only have I lost sleep. Not only... Did I drive all over town. But now, as I'm pulling my car out of my parking spot, I go to move it from reverse into drive. That is R to D. And when I do so, and I press the gas, I continue to move backwards. I look down, and I notice that it did not shift out of reverse. So I begin to move the lever back and forth. It is not going anywhere. <laughs> so what do I do? I panic and I put it into park even though that does no good I turn the car off 
I'm hanging out in the parking lot of the Walmart parking lot, and I'm out in the middle of where people are driving. Thank God. It's now 1.30-ish, and no one's really driving through the parking lot that much. The guys that I met are long gone. So I pull out my owner's manual, and I'm like, surely there's some weird fix to this. I begin to Google. I'm finding questions about things, and I'm told it's probably the shifter cable. Can you? This is what's great. Can you get under? I'm actually talking to someone online at this point. Can you get under your car and look at such and such a place and see if you can pull this thing forward? That would be the shifter cable. My car probably sits. I don't know how far up off the ground it is. The car does not sit up as, as far up off the ground as I do when I'm laying on the ground. <laughs> so the answer to can you get under your car is a big fat no because of a big fat Steve. So the guy says probably a shifter cable that's broken. Well, great. Have to call a tow truck at 2 a.m. I don't know where to take this thing except home. So I'm taking my broken down car that I can't crank up and can't get out of the parking lot, can't get it to go anywhere, and I'm going to just put it at in the parking lot of my apartment complex now with no idea what to do. Fortunately, the man was nice. He said, call these people in the morning, and we can come tow it there for you, no problem. Thank you, sir. You're great. Called the people in the morning. Yes, we can take it today. Have them bring it to us. So we did that. It was fixed Saturday afternoon. By Saturday afternoon, it was fixed. Uh, I did end up spending as much on a shifter cable uh, as I did on Force Friday back at the Force Awakens. Now, with the Force Awakens, Force Friday, I did everything on Amazon. And I got every Black Series figure that I could. The only thing that I did not get on Force Friday was a Captain Phasma because they sold out really quickly. On Amazon, everything else I pretty much got. I mean, right down to ships and everything. So I spent just a little bit more on the shifter cable than I did on Force Friday back at the Force Awakens Force Friday. And um, that was what I, I... For Force Friday, I got a new shifter cable. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a defeated man. I I don't know that... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm not really, nothing, I'm, nothing's really catching my eye for the collection except for maybe the Black Series Hera and the Black Series Thrawn. You know, that's about it that I'm looking at. I, I, I'm, I'm not in this mode of I've got to get them all. They've been, Hasbro's been so disappointing with its shift, uh, with its shift, with its ships lately that I, you know, why even bother picking up one of these new ships? Um, if there is, if they're, if they're of the same quality as some of the Rogue One stuff was, then I, I just have no desire to grab those. That A-Wing they put out last year was horrible with hair, and I'm just like, I don't, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go down this road and, and spend money on these ships. So, I'm, I'm a defeated man. The one thing I wanted in this world was a Luke Skywalker, an old Luke Skywalker. It's the only thing I've wanted since the force awakens i'm like it's the one thing that baffles me that they never put out with uh with 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 the force awakens was what was this luke you know and then 
something happened. Something began to stir in the pit of my stomach. And I don't mean breakfast. I was going to have this old Luke. I was seeing people's hauls online and I was seeing what people were bringing home on their Force Friday and, and call it jealousy, call it collector's envy, or call it what it is. Call it determination. The determination of a man who's been collecting Star Wars his entire life. Call it the determination of a man who will not be deterred by Hasbro's pathetic distribution practices. You call it whatever you want, but the truth of the matter is this, that inside of me, something said, get up, go figure out what you're going to do. You go find old Luke. If you have to drive to the other side of Atlanta, if you have to go to Nashville, Tennessee, if you have to hit Birmingham, Alabama, if you have to go all the way to the tip of Florida, by God, if you have to get on a plane and fly to California, you're going to find old Luke. It was in that determination, in that vein, that Sunday night, as church ended, I pulled out of the parking lot a man on a mission. First, Walmart on the west side of town. No, I take that back. Because that Walmart never has anything. That's exactly what happened on the drive. I started to pull in. I'm like, no, I take this back. I'm going to the east side. I'm going to the place of the breakdown. I'm going to the place that left me not only high and dry, but nearly stranded. I'm going to confront my enemy. And I did what I always do because it was still early enough. I parked at the garden center. And you all know, park at the garden center. It's going to be your best bet for getting in and out quickly unless they need a CSM for an override. If they start calling for a CSM for an override, you take your stuff and you walk away. Take your stuff and you walk away. With determination, I walked into the garden center at Walmart. A lady said, hey, how are you doing? I said, I'm good. How are you? She said, I'm fine. Thank you. Good to see you. I said, good to see you. That was the Walmart greeter who was sitting at the doorway of the garden center at Walmart. I walk into the Walmart proper. A young man who works the garden center area looks at me and says, hey, you might get locked in here. I think they're getting ready to come lock me up. And I looked at him and I said, it's no problem. I'll be quick. And quick I was. To the Star Wars Isle I fled, or flew. I wasn't fleeing, I was flying. Determined to find old man Luke. But there swinging from the pegs, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw it. A display in Action Alley. That's what they call the aisleways that aren't the aisles, that they're in the between the aisles. Not in caps, but out in the... Force... Force Friday 2, Last Jedi, Star Wars. There it was. There was Hera in her black series form, looking as lovely as ever. And I said, Hera, I'm not... I can't spend $20 on you. I'm sorry. I'm just here for old Luke. And Hera looked at me and said, Steve... There are no three and three quarter inch figures here. And Hera was right. I said, Hera, I must leave you now. For my journey must take me elsewhere. 
By the way, did I mention that I went to Toys R Us that that afternoon because they said they'd have a truck on Sunday? So after lunch on Sunday afternoon, I went ahead to Toys R Us, and I ended up getting like the Jabba in the Hand and Carbonite Hot Wheels two pack, and uh, there was another set of Hot Wheels that I got that were pretty cool, but um, they they didn't have any more three and three quarter inch figures out there. So anyhow, so there I am, just like I told the guy. I was I left, and I left quick because I had another place to be. That's right. I was driving to the west side. West side! To the Walmart that would always let me down. Just to see, with hope against all hope, that maybe, just maybe, they'd have an old Luke. That was really good. Well done, Steve. You did that very well. So, uh, I drive back over to the west Walmart, the west side Walmart. In West Rome, as they call it. Oh, are we starting back up? Let's do a different track, Lawson. How about that? Let's do, let's try something. Let's see. Let's see how this goes. Let's see if this is as brilliant. Maybe this. Will, I don't know. You know what? Here we go. This will be perfect. By this time, the garden center was locked, closed, so I couldn't park at the garden center. However, it wasn't too late to park on the pharmacy side, so thank goodness for that. I was closer to the toy aisle when I walked in. Understand that as I walked into the West Side Walmart, I fully expected defeat. I did not expect to find old Luke swinging on a peg. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you. My did not expectations were met that day. For there on the pegs was Rose and Rose and Rose and C-3PO and Rose and General Hux and General Hux and Rose. Oh, they had a two-pack of Ray and a Praetorian Guard and Han Solo and Boba Fett. Oh, there was not Balatik, but that other guy with a Rathtar. But there was no Luke. Then out of the corner of my eye, I saw that same action alley set up oh and there were forces of destiny dolls oh they were there any of them you want there were black series figures there was Hera there was a stormtrooper there was Darth Vader and I looked at Hera and I said I guess you're coming home with me tonight for there's no Luke And with a sigh, I picked up hair and I said, I really do like this figure. And I guess I need it to add to my Kanan and Sabine and Ahsoka from Rebels. Let's go. But you know, something happened to me that night. That hasn't happened to me since 
May of 2002. Or was it April? Must have been March or April. Maybe it was May. The point is this, it was 2002. And I was in a different Walmart in a different land. And there in the middle of the action alley were some cases that were marked Star Wars Ep 2. Do not sell until whatever date they were not supposed to sell until. And like the rebel that I was, I took a key and I popped the case and I got a Plo Koon, I think, and uh, I don't know, maybe a Darth Dooku, Count Dooku. And I marched up to the checkout counter and I purchased those bad boys before their street date. And in this moment, that old Steve reared his head and said, Check the boxes. For there were pallets with cases on them saying different things. Everything from, oh, I don't know, TF, Wave 3, Combiner Wars, Ninja Turtles, Nerf, Hot Wheels, Lego. I kept seeing Hasbro boxes, but none of them said anything that looked remotely like the thing that I was looking for. SW Ep 8 Wave 1. I turned to go, and then a small box caught my eye. Oh, I was back, baby. I walked over to the box, looked at it, and it said on the side, SW, Ep, VII, or F8, I think. Not the VII, but F8. Way Orange Wave One. I look around. There was no blue vest in sight. Take out a key. Pop the tape. Open the box. Right as a blue vest is walking up with his little gimmick that he gets the pallets moved around with. He just looks at me. Because he knows. Fatty knows what he's doing. And there, staring at me in all of his bearded glory, old Luke. He was mine, ladies and gentlemen. We call this Steve Glosson in the quest for old Luke Skywalker. And for once in my life, I walked out with the W, that being the win. So that was my Force Friday. And it, you know what? It ended up being good because I got the Luke that I wanted. And, and honestly, I can honestly truly say that I'm, that I'm, I'm happy with it and, and I'm good.
I think I have everything I need. I, I did pick up the Hera with the Luke and because um, I went ahead and bit the bullet. Because, look, I'd already rejected Hera once. I cannot reject Hera twice. She is my favorite Rebels character, and she's one of my favorite Star Wars characters, so I could not reject her twice. I have not put either one of them on the shelf yet, um, but I, I was really, it was cool. It it did, you know what? It, it's fun because there was the stirring in inside of me that was like, you know, this is, this is you. This is, this is what it's all about right here. So it was fun. And it took me back to a simpler time when I wasn't collecting everything, but I was just collecting what I liked. And, um, and so that was good stuff. What has just happened there? So, uh, yeah, that was Force Friday. I hope you had a good Force Friday. I know everyone's going Porg crazy. I can't afford to go Porg crazy. I don't know that I'm going to dig the Porgs as much as I dig, say, an Ewok. Um, if they end up having personalities and not just being animals, it may be different. But I, I really expect them just to be animals, you know, like non-sentient beings, if you will. And um, and if they, and regardless, that doesn't take away their cute factor or the fact that people are digging on them. I'm glad people are digging on them. It's been fun to see the people who won those big four-foot porgs at Target and everything. That's been good stuff. But that was Force Friday, and that's our final snippet. Other than I just want to say Stranger Things is really my jam right now. I've watched this show through in the past month like three times. There's not a wasted minute in that show. It is fantastic. And if you've not watched Stranger Things, I encourage you to sit down and watch Stranger Things on Netflix. It's a good time. It is a really good time. It takes you right back to everything we loved in the 80s. And uh, it's so well done that it could almost pass as... um, It could almost pass as a relic from the 80s that they've just rediscovered or something you know it's really good i love it so much we'll be talking more about that in october as we said look forward to those look forward i'm looking forward to those episodes and hope to have some guests on talking through stranger things with us it'll be a good time i want to encourage you to do two things number one email us geek out online three things number one email us geek out online at gmail.com number two uh, join our Facebook group, the Goaliverse Facebook group. You can get there easily by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. And three, iTunes reviews. I I know a lot of you have left ratings, and I greatly appreciate that. But if you could leave reviews as well, and not just for Geek Out Loud, but for all the Goaliverse shows you listen to, it really does help us in the rankings. It helps people kind of see us out there, and it and it causes there to be more people to get a get wind of us. So why do we want more people? Because the more people we have, the more fun we have. You know, emails are some of the greatest things we get here at the show. And your emails always, a lot of times, will steer uh, the conversation of the shows. And I've neglected emails so often lately that, obviously, a lot of you have, have refrained from emailing. There's been some very personal emails sent in and that sort of thing that aren't really necessarily for the show. But um, I'd love to hear from you. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. If you want to support the shows, there's those links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com to use. Or you can go to patreon.com slash geek out loud thank you so much for joining us on this episode of geek out loud i've had a good time i hope you've had a good time too before we go ladies and gentlemen let us do a reading one more reading but this time it's going to be a reading from the making of empire strikes back by jw rinsler Actors like Michael Culver, Nita, John Glover, Veers, Kenneth Cauley, Admiral Pitt, 
and Michael Shear at Ozzel, who are on Stage 5 today playing Darth Vader's fleet commanders, a representative of special breed, Arnold writes. They spend much more time in the theater than in film studios. They are the gist, the grist of the English theater companies, like the National Theater, the Prospect Theater, the Royal Shakespeare Company, and the Royal Court Theater. But when called on for film cameos, they do marvelous work. And I think we all agree with that sentiment. That is a reading from The Making of the Empire Strikes Back, as written by J.W. Rensler. My name is Steve Glosson. Your name is what now? One more time, could you tell me? Great to have you along with us. Hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have, and I hope to see you again on the next Geek Out Loud. Geek Out Loud.